Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Anya Crittenden, associate editor at The Tracking Board, and with me, as always... I'm Hai Chen Bui, a pop culture journalist in D.C. And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. So today, if you're listening to this on Super Bowl Sunday, we're talking about the Super Bowl, something that I really enjoy watching because I like the ads and I like the funny music that plays during the halftime. Um, so why are we talking about the Super Bowl when we're on a, a pop culture podcast, Willoughby? Well, that's a very good question, HD. Uh, the Super Bowl has become known for its uh, halftime shows and its advertisements, mm-hmm. not so much for the games themselves. Uh, honestly, a lot of people I know only watch the games for the, for the commercials and for the halftime shows. Uh, the games are only for like the like hardcore football fans, and then specifically hardcore fans who are in whose teams are in the Super Bowl. Like last year, I didn't have any horses in any races for the Super Bowl. I was only watching it for the um, ads. And for Beyonce last year. And for Beyonce slash Chris Martin slash Bruno Mars. Oh yeah. The, um, the other guy. We all know the only person who mattered last year in the halftime show. Yeah, it was Chris Martin. Um, <laughs> just kidding, it was Beyonce, who, by the way, uh, is having twins. So congratulations, yeah, congratulations to Beyonce. She's going to save the country. Yeah, She has more uh, black people in her stomach than the, than Trump has in his entire cabinet. Yep, that's true. Yeah. That's very true. Um, so we're talking about the Super Bowl today. Um, I've watched a lot of ads over the years from the Super Bowl. What about you guys? Do you guys watch the football games? Uh, I do not watch the games, but for a lot, and like, I kind of have been aware of the Super Bowl on the fringes. My dad is a huge Redskins fan, and he'll watch the Super Bowl and like lots of football games religiously. So I kind of have them in the background, but I was always, yeah, more a bigger fan of the ads because for some reason, advertising companies shell out their most creative and expensive ads for that time. I think because it's just such a big event that's watched throughout the country. Yeah, last year in, or in 2015, 114 million people watched the Super Bowl. Isn't um, it the highest wa- rated television event? Yes, it usually is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so advertisers are like, let's show some ads for our mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so every year there's like a Budweiser commercial with the Clydesdales, the horses. There's usually a Doritos commercial that's always kind of funny. Uh, Mountain Dew has their Kickstarter. That's where Puppy Monkey Baby came from, which a lot of people oh, were yeah. very disturbed by. I found it endearing, uh-huh. but that's just me. Um, and, uh, like, the classic um, frogs that go, but. Yeah, I remember the the Talking Babies one. Mm-hmm. The E-Baby? E I think it was E-Insurance. E-Insurance, yeah. There's, like, a lot of strange ones, but also the ones I really remember are the ones with celebrities. So one of the most famous ones is, like, the Pepsi commercials, for example, like Britney. in the '90s with like Cindy Lauper, not Cindy Lauper, uh, Britney Spears, not Britney Spears. There was one in the '90s with some a model, not Cindy Lauper, Cindy something. Cindy Crawford. Cindy yeah. Crawford. Yes, yeah. the one where she's like in like basically a bathing suit or something, and she like goes and gets a Pepsi, and there's like hey, wind going through her hair, and the guys are like, ah. yeah, yeah the, iconic. The, the thing about Super Bowl commercials is that, that they kind of play into stereotypes and tropes that they for the more progressive people try to avoid. They do, but I think it's gotten better just because it's such a widely watched and like pulp culturally important event. Yeah. Arguably, which Arguably. we'll get into a little bit later. <laughs> we have a a detractor here and surprisingly it's not me despite my dislike for sports. Um but yeah, I like 
a lot of the Pepsi commercials, which are like the most fate, like uh, memorable ones for me. There's that one with um, not only Britney, but Britney and Pink and Christina Aguilera. Uh, it was like I thought Beyonce was in one of those. No, yeah, Beyonce too. It was, no, Beyonce. it wasn't. It wasn't Christina. It was Pink, Britney, and, and Beyonce. And Beyonce. Yes, and like it was them in a gladiator ring. Yeah, it was. That was a great commercial. Um, yeah, and like it's. It is weird to be talking about like advertising commercials, which are just you know something that are promoting some other form of content. Yeah, like that's at the basis of it. That's what they're doing. Yeah, but it's just there's just like such a culture that's surrounded them for the past 10, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. I think it's just there's really been, fascinating. There's been 50 Super Bowls, but as far as I know, like the ads have always been like a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like growing up, I just, I was, you know, I was excited for the ads because they're, they're always funny and they're always kind of like, you know, they're, they're, they've gotten progressively more cinematic over time. They have. Um, like, there was the one, it was about, uh, it was called Halftime in America, and it was narrated by Clint Eastwood, and it was, like, about, like, picking yourself up by the bootstraps in America, because it was, like, right after, it was, like, in 2011 or 12, so a couple years after the financial crisis, and it was all about, like, getting back into into the swing of things. Um, there's also the Eminem commercial, not the M&M's commercial, but the M&M commercial in which it's a, I think it's some car commercial, but they play a song from 8 Mile, and they have, uh, like, M&M, like, it's like the whole, it's like a two-minute ad for this car, but they just use the M&M song from 8 Mile. Yeah. This is incredible to listen to. So Anya's not... like, so, <laughs> this is so fascinating. You guys are just, like, recalling all these commercials, and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Although, I did watch Budweiser's commercial that they're going to be airing today because BuzzFeed wrote an article about it because the Trump supporters are now boycotting Budweiser. Yeah, because it's about the founder of Budweiser, who was was an immigrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, German immigrant, yeah. yeah. I noticed... German? Yeah. <laughs> Budweiser German. sounds German. It does sound German. I'm, I'm sure it is German. Yeah, I noticed more so when I started writing in entertainment journalism how prolific like the ads at the Super Bowl are mm-hmm. and how like there's such buzz around them even leading up to the Super Bowl because I would write little like lead-ups and like art- articles about these ads as we were like prepping for the Super Bowl and stuff and we would actually we would cover the Super Bowl as an entertainment event in addition to as a sports, sports. event. So I I thought that was really fascinating and I kind of wanted to talk about like why that why it's become like that. I guess we can't really know the answer, but... We, do we don't really know the answer, but I think we can discuss theories. My theory is that this is an event that happens once a year. It's three hours. It's plenty of opportunity for these advertising companies mm-hmm. to get their products out. Mm-hmm. And because, because it's the most watched broadcast in America, uh, it's the best opportunity for these guys to show their stuff mm. and to pay millions of dollars for 30 so seconds. So basically to... it's just an afternoon of capitalism. Oh, no, don't get me wrong, totally. Peak like, America. It is peak capitalism, peak, peak America, yeah. peak madmen. And like this is where like the evils of capitalism and the and like the weird like people are always like America doesn't have a culture. Like no, our culture is is the Super Bowl, like in one three-hour mission, it's sports, pop culture, and just a ton of weird conglomerations of different advertising coming in, and and you know, 
saying this is what you should buy for the upcoming year. So it's a Murak in a nutshell. Yes. And also so I have two dudes questions. hitting each other until they get concussions. Yes. Hmm. Hmm. That, hmm, that leads to very complicated issues that I have with football as a sport. <laughs> you just hit on, like, a nerve. Please, tell us all about um, Anya. I'm like, I, I want to know your opinion. Well, I mean, I mean, I just, I, I have an active dislike of football in that I think it's a poor sport. I think it's boring. I think it moves way too slow. Like, stop stopping all your plays. <laughs> like, just, just play the game. Like, that's why I like soccer, is because it's a 90-minute game and the clock literally never stops. Like, that's why it's good. Um, and then also the fact that as a country, we just kind of, like, ignore the discussion around the fact that, like, we're giving people concussions and brain damage, like, and we just don't discuss that because it's American and you can't speak terribly Not about the football that, in this country. Not only that, the NFL has a lot of sway and they've worked actively yeah. to cover up, like, the research behind concussions. There's nothing yeah. more American than ignoring your problems and covering them up. Yep. Just watch the movie Concussion. <laughs> or all the president's men. So, <laughs> I actively don't like football um, as a sport. And I'm talking about someone who does like sports. Like, I love soccer. I love baseball. Um, I think the Olympics are the best things ever. Um, but I have two questions for you guys. I might have so two So, one... All right. So one, this is probably a pretty simple question that I already know the answer to, but we've discovered that it's the highest rated television event in the country year after year, pretty much. Um, This would not be the case without the advertisements and the halftime show, correct? I think so. Yeah. No, if it was just a game, it, no, no, and no one would watch, like hardly, it would not be as highly rated um, in the Nielsen company as it would be if there were no okay. advertisements or a halftime show broadcast. So here's my follow-up question. Yes. In that I have I have seen Super Bowl commercials in my lifetime. I have seen halftime shows in my lifetime. Today the Skylar sisters are going to be performing and I'm very excited to see them. However, I will be seeing them later today online so I don't have to waste an afternoon watching something I don't care about oh, yeah. just to see some commercials. Because it's on the West Coast. It's during the afternoon. Oh, yeah. Why spend time watching something you don't care about when the things you care about will just be online later? Well, the whole culture around the Super Bowl is also the act of getting together with people and, and, watching just, it. and putting it on in the background while yeah, you eat. Yeah, like, like, like waiting for the commercials to show up mm-hmm. because the game will be on. It'll be background noise, and then, like, every Super Bowl party I've gone to in the past seven years has just been a bunch of film majors waiting for the commercials to come up. Um, I don't know if that's just my particular group of friends, but with the Super Bowl, it's always been more... Unless the teams are actually, like, my my friends are fans of the teams, it's usually just a get-together of friends, and then we're watching these funny commercials for, for three hours. Um, and yeah, they're online the next day, and a lot of these commercials, if they're successful, like if they get, uh, like if they're, if they are deemed successful, they'll run throughout 2017. Like the Snickers commercials are ones that, yeah. like the Marilyn Monroe mm-hmm. and if Willem Dafoe, that's yeah. something that aired at the Super Bowl, and then later on, um, I'm trying to think of other, uh, oh, the 1984 ad from 1984 about, from Apple. Yeah, that was a famous one. Um, that's a famous one that that broadcast. They they did they debuted the commercial on the like during the Super Bowl, 
um, which is one of the most, like people call it, one of the best advertisements in the history of advertisements. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is something to this historical aspect of the Super Bowl in which a lot of these like ads that can influence what you buy and how you buy things, and yes, that's very capitalistic, but it's the truth. Um, the Super Bowl is a great way for at these advertisers to shove their product down your throat. Also, we're talk- I think Bill mentioned this earlier, but they have a lot of more of a cinematic feel, and I feel like there's some sort of um, value that these commercials are sticking this really great, um, well-made video or like film basically into two minutes. And I think there is some sort of artistic value in that just because like it's so cinematic and it's so creative. And I think that like, yeah, it's like it's it's selling something and like trying to push something across, but I still think that it's so fascinating to have such a short-term sort of video like Yeah, like if I wasn't a film major or interested in media, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't give a shit about the Super Bowl because, but because I don't really care for the for football very much. But like the ads are what really draws me to the to watching the show and watching it live with my friends and also the nation, especially now with social media, because you get those what everyone's you, talking get, about. you get instant Twitter reactions and people live tweet the commercials essentially mm-hmm. or the reactions to the commercials. I certainly understand like a social sort of, like, event, like, a cultural event, like, that's one of the big reasons I love the Olympics so much, mm-hmm. um, despite the fact that it's also just, like, this really sort of, like, idealistic version of the world coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely get, like, the whole world, like, commenting on this and watching it at the same time, you know, like, it's why I like baseball games, because baseball games are, like, social events, um, where you just go and eat and drink and be with friends and you kind of have to pay attention to the game. Um, I just don't get the Super Bowl. I think it's too... I I don't know if I should say this word. It's a little tacky (laughs) as a cultural event. (laughs) I'm going to get so much flack for this. (laughs) No comment, Your Honor. I would like to say Anya's views do not reflect the views of the Millennial Falcon. (laughs) RTs equals not endorsements. (laughs) Well, funnily enough, I'm actually more on the side of Anya in terms of football, and actually more sports in general. I have even less interest in sports than Anya does. Like, I enjoy the Olympics, and I enjoy, like, figure skating and the gymnastics and stuff, but I don't watch it fervently, like like I know Anya does for um, ice skating and speed skating. I just, like, it's all, it's all just kind of a pastime for me. I did do sports as a kid, like, I well, not really sports. I did ballet for 10 years. I played soccer. I played tennis. Um, but even then, like, I don't have an interest in watching sports so much. Um, so I understand that. I just have – my reason is I had kind of have pop culture FOMO. Like, it's what Willoughby was saying earlier about, like, everyone being in on it. Twitter Twitter is always live tweeting. And, like, it's so such a big event that I feel like I need to be in the know. Um, and not only that, like even before Twitter, when I was in elementary school, that was when the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake debacle happened, in which mm, um, yeah. at the halftime show they performed, and uh, there was a big wardrobe malfunction in which Justin Timberlake was supposed to rip off Janet Jackson's uh, corset, and it was going to show her bra underneath, but he accidentally like ripped off like 
entire thing, so it showed her breasts on live television. So everyone was talking about it at my elementary school, and I was like, what are you talking about? I have no idea. So I've kind of had that since I was a kid. I want to be in on the know, despite like not caring about sports at all, even less so than like Anya. I just like zone out immediately when people start talking about football. But um, I just I just enjoy the event experience, like the pop culture-ness of it all. Mm-hmm. And I think like lately, the halftime show has become more important as well. I think we can move on now from yeah. like, the ads to the pop, the halftime show. Well, one last thing on the ads. I'll just say mm-hmm. that more recently they've been debuting trailers. Yes, movie I want trailers. Yes, good point. Um, and like I'm, I know, I know we hate the movie, but two years ago they premiered like a Jurassic World trailer during the Super Bowl, and that caught a lot of people's attention for the movie. Um, so like that's been a thing. I think there's going to be like a Stranger Things trailer mm-hmm. for the new season. So there's more. There's more like more things re- related to what we do coming up in these uh, Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. But then also, yeah, let's let's talk Which... about the halftime show for a little bit. All right. So Anya, do you have um you don't have really any thoughts about the halftime shows in general either, do you? Um, they're online later. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think it goes along with the idea of watching it live and the live tweeting and like the and like the social event of seeing like I remember in college like we were watching the Super Bowl and it was Beyonce was doing like a medley of all her songs and at some point she has like this Destiny's this Child. she has Destiny's Child come up out of out of like the floor out of the stage and they just sing a medley of their songs and then at some point there's like this weird wall behind Beyonce and it's just showing different it's like copies of her like someone pressed copy paste Uh and just like pasted like 20 versions of Beyonce doing the same moves as the real Beyonce and so like there was there's like this weird I think there's there's been a um resurgence or not a resurgence a shift a revival in the halftime shows to bring in more popular people Mm -hmm. to sing their songs for a long time like they were getting older acts like the Rolling Stones and Tom Petty and like these older acts to come on and perform medleys of their greatest hits. Mm-hmm. But recently, like they had Prince come on um, in like 2007 and I think it possibly again in 2010. And a lot of people regard Prince's Prince's uh, halftime show as one of the best because it was raining during it and he just kept playing mm-hmm. and he just kept going and going and he played all his greatest hits and. Uh, uh, Ironically, it was raining when he was playing Purple Rain. <laughs> so there's all that. So I and now now nowadays nowadays um, you get Bruno Mars. You're getting uh, just I think did just no Justin Timberlake played something else that he did in medley of his hits. But um, Beyonce did her, like her best of. Um, now they're gonna have Lady Gaga tonight. Uh, if you're listening to this before the Super Bowl tonight. Um, and so she'll probably do the same thing, but you know, like a medley from from Just Dance to Illusions, Perfect Illusions, is Perfect Illusions. So she'll, she'll probably do like a medley of all those songs. Mm-hmm. She'll probably she might have special guests. You know, they they're trying to up their game with like surprise cameos. I think the Black Eyed Peas did a cameo with Bruno Mars, and then last year Bruno Mars and Beyonce did a dance off after Coldplay was done doing three of their songs, mm. which is very funny. It was kind of like Coldplay was like, we're going to do what we do. And I think at the time, Coldplay and Beyonce had done a song together. They um, did that uh, sort of Indian influence song. Yeah. I can't remember what it was called. Um, and so, uh, 
Beyonce just released Formation the day yes the, the yesterday day before, prior, yeah. and so she came on with these dancers who were wearing like Black Panther uh, styled clothes, mm-hmm. and Bruno Mars came on and he he's just coming off of doing Uptown Funk, mm-hmm. and so they do this cool dance off, and then they get Chris Martin and they're singing uh, Uptown Funk together, and it was just such a joyous occasion to watch. Yeah, and I've... so I'm excited for more halftime shows that are more culturally relevant because like the Rolling Stones are great but now they're they're kind of they're they're old yeah I've noticed recently at least in like the last 10 20 years that the halftime performances have become more of like a lightning rod for cultural moments Mm -hmm. I guess you would say like you would see that happen often at like the Grammy Awards, for example, like Madonna does her iconic performance of like like a virgin or something at the Grammy Awards. But now you see that happen at the Super Bowl, where it's like an important performance or something that's like really iconic or will go down in like people's memories and stuff like that. And I think the the weirdest thing is the collective division on halftime shows mm-hmm. because you get people who are excited for the singers, and there are like really cool like they think this is great. But then you get people who are only there for the football or have no pop culture, like, knowledge knowledge mm-hmm. or anything. And they just go, like, why is this happening? This is too boring, too long. And I'm like, how can you say that? This Some of this stuff, it, it, you know, it takes a lot of effort and a lot of behind-the-scenes work to put a halftime show together. And people just write it off like something you know, some boring pop culture thing. Well, I think it's like a generational divide too because like the people who are only there for the sports are generally people who are like a little bit older and like remember it as being like kind of more traditional and less pop culturally like buzzy. Um, Whereas people who are there for the halftime show and the ads kind of see it as like this new pop culture event. Yeah, because it's almost, it's like a mini concert from one of your favorite stars. Mm -hmm. So I think that like it's at an interesting turning point now where like there's these there are these people who expected the Super Bowl to be very traditional and American, but some people are like, This is a place that we have a platform to do all these new things and to like make a statement, for example, like what Beyonce did. Um, so I think that like the Super Bowl has a lot of potential for that. And I'm really excited that they're continuing with like not only new stars, but stars that will say something or like are progressive. Yeah, like, like Lady Gaga is a very political mm-hmm superstar Mm -hmm. and she should be she has a a great message yes so I know Anya's like still kind of on the on the side of I'll watch it later I don't really see the point of seeing it live just because I don't really care for football or I mean I will say like I loved Beyonce last year like she was incredible but it was also incredible the same time watching it later online like it it remained (laughs) incredible it did not become less incredible just because I did not watch it in real time I did want to talk a little bit about the importance of the ads and how maybe that's become less so just because we've become so much more of an online culture now. So I remember, like, even five years ago, uh, those ads that we saw at the Super Bowl, I, you know, I was still watching TV a lot, um, and I was watching a lot of shows on TV, so I'd be seeing those ads over and over again afterwards. But now I, like, I barely watch TV at all, except for maybe, maybe Chopped. Um, so do you think that um, the ads at the Super Bowl have as much weight as they used to. Like, I think this year I kind of haven't really heard a lot of hype for the ads or the trailers, except for maybe Stranger Things, um, for leading up to the Super Bowl this year. I think that the ads, they're trying to make them go viral mm. nowadays. I think instead of playing them on TV, well, they just they still play them on TV, like I said earlier, but a lot of them, since the 
since like the now that we're in the age of YouTube, there has kind of been like this um, push to put, get these ads online on like official channels and like promote them as viral hits. Mm-hmm. Um, like the turn down for what type ad? I don't know. That was a music video, but like the guys who did that, who end up who ended up doing uh, Swiss Army Man, Man, they also directed a Kickstarter, the uh, Mountain Dew Kickstarter. Uh, Advertisements where they're like dancing around and stuff. That mm-hmm. also comes with the puppy monkey baby. Um, <laughs> bring it back. I'm just that, bringing it back. That trailer, that ad was. But it was. But and I think that is a great example of how these Super Bowl ads can become something else because you get the directors of these commercials. If they're if these ads are successful, they can go on to do bigger and better things like Swiss Army Man. Oh, I did want to say one thing about the. Um benefits of watching the halftime show live uh the Katy perry uh, left shark performance i don't think it would have left shark would have become such a meme if you know we hadn't watched it live you know yeah. what i mean because it, just it became, would not have been. it just spiraled from people being like left shark is so out of sync with the rest of the dancers <laughs> and people just all collectively noticed the same i know issue and then people the thing was like all the vines and videos that were coming up were people's taking their cell phones and recording their tv mm-hmm. and they, they weren't like taking the video from like the official nfl youtube channel and mm-hmm. putting it on the vine they were just taking they were just like this this shit is ridiculous i'm yeah. taking video of it yeah, I guess I see the benefit in the Super Bowl as being, yeah, just a big collective thing that the whole world, the whole, not the whole world, the, the whole, whole country. That's, that's a generalization, that's, HT. We that's shouldn't the Olympics, I'm sorry, that the whole country watches. And it's really fun just to have that one event that everyone is seeing at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's very rare nowadays because, you know, everything is moved to um, online. Everyone's cutting the cord. Yeah, that's the thing is I think I see this is still one of the last live events that people could all kind of talk about like water cooler moments mm-hmm. there that that's what this is it's one it's the biggest water cooler moment of the year. see that's the oscars for me i, I mean like two each is up like, yeah two each are that's up. the oscars the oscars i follow the race as closely as some people would follow the sports but yeah. i don't think i think it has a more niche audience than the super bowl does like that's definitely the case like okay. not even my opinion <laughs> <laughs> no it totally is it's just like mm-hmm. i like i like these collective cultural moments like I love them. I just but also want cool. to care myself. <laughs> like, that's why I like the Olympics and, like, the Oscars, because those are things I care about on my own mm. anyway. So, the Super Bowl. I'll, like, I'll happily read all the BuzzFeed listicles about, like, the best tweets about the Super Bowl tomorrow morning. And, like, I'm sure I'll get a kick out of it. So, I sound like such a jerk right now. <laughs> no, it's right. It's funny because, like, I'm on your side, Anya, but for some reason I'm finding my, myself defending the Super Bowl despite <laughs> hating football. <laughs> Although, breaking Super Bowl news from the Associated Press, Taylor Swift says pre-Super Bowl concert may be her last for 2017. <gasps> okay, so she's taking a break? Okay, good Ooh, for her. So Taylor Swift breaking AP news. She needs to take some time off. She's had a busy couple of years. It's okay. I think it's because the the Taylor Swift backlash has re- reached its peak. Is it it's backlash? Like, is that? I mean, there's backlash, but like, is that? Is it in response to that? I get the feeling it is. It's like there's a really great. It's a weird thing to say. She's not going to do any more perform like live performances in 2017 when 2017 has only been a, like 30, That's 30, why 35 days. It's 35. so dramatic to say that because you know. 
it feels like she's taking a long break, not just because of that, because she needs to reform her image in some way. Because her image is a big part of her. There like, was that really great... Oh, there was that scathing buzz. But I was just yeah. going to bring that up, a, which is, that is actually too, yeah. a really great article. Like, it's a, it's really, a really interesting take on this kind of, like, fame and how you can use it and manipulate it. Um, it's fascinating. Yeah, it was a really interesting article. Uh, we've re- we will link it in our um, posts later today. Yes. Sure. So, um, Taylor Swift aside, I... I think that was a good way to wrap up our Super Bowl episode. Do you guys have anything else you want to add? Uh, just that I'm excited to watch more commercials. So who is playing today? The Falcons versus the Patriots. And if you love cool. the Super Bowl, you do you. I'm going to watch The Devil Wears Prada with my mom. That That's my plan for the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you, like, what are you going to do instead of watching the, the cultural event? I'm going over to my parents, and I'm going to catch up on The Flash with my dad, because he hasn't caught up yet, and my mom just finished reading the book, The Devil Wears Prada, so I'm bringing the movie over, and I'm going to watch that with her. That sounds like a fun afternoon. Yeah. You do you, Anya. <laughs> and that's a wrap to our Super Bowl episode. Let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. All right, Anya, since you've been kind of on the back burner this episode, why don't you tell us what you really like this week? All right, this week, I really like New York Magazine. Yeah, so right now we kind of all know that it's, like, important now more than ever to support good journalism, you know, especially, like, with your money, if you can, get a subscription to your favorite publication. If not, at least just, like, retweeting, sharing, subscribing to newsletters. Um, I got a subscription to New York Magazine, so I get their magazine in the mail, Um, and it's kind of, like, my now weekend tradition of whenever I have a new issue, I kind of, like, read it in bed with a cup of coffee. Um, very, like, it's it's so idyllic. That sounds amazing. It's so nice. Um, and I really love New York Magazine. I think they have really interesting articles, um, some really great writers, and I really love all their takes on things. Um, their, Vulture is also one of my favorite entertainment, like, bloggy publications, Um, I love Vulture. So I'm just really liking New York Magazine, and I just want to, like, put the word out there to support journalism because it's so important. I thought you were actually going to mention their cover from this week um, of depicting the Statue of Liberty with the the light out. Oh, that was the New Yorker. Yeah, that was the New Yorker. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Whoops. But also, that was a powerful New Yorker is also great. The Atlantic, like, you know, Mm -hmm. all these... I, you know, I follow, like, New York Times and Washington Post, like, the big ones, of course, but, like, I'm finding more and more that I'm really enjoying the journalism of sort of, like, these sort of more niche... Long-form. long-form. I love long-form journalism. Um, you know, kind of, they openly have their biases, but they're transparent about it, and they're still kind of, like, giving pretty balanced takes on things, so, yeah, I'm just all about supporting good journalism right now gotta do that okay thanks for that Anya I'll I'm also a fan of supporting good journalism support your local journalists as well local newspapers are also equally important um I'll go next so my really like for this week is Arrival I finally saw this movie that 
came out back in November, but I was not able to watch it because I went on a trip to Japan back then, and then the craziness of Christmas uh, and preparing for that, and the election kind of derailed me. Um, but I finally got to see Arrival, and oh my god, I loved it a lot. It might be... First of all, this is a movie Taylor made for me. If you guys didn't know, my favorite movie of all time is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and Arrival shares a lot of the traits that that movie and a lot of my favorite movies have, which is uh, things to do with memory, perception of time, and like the emotional bonds that root us in like our own memories and how we deal with like that whole like cycle. Um, and I just I loved Rival a lot. I love cerebral cerebral sci-fi. It reminded me how much I love cerebral sci-fi. Um, that like has a message and is still like emotionally rooted and connected. So I just yeah, I had a lot I had a lot of feelings after I watched the movie. After like the next hour after I watched it, I was just like I really love Arrival, guys. Yes, I love Arrival. It's a lot. so good. Did you see yeah, it alone? I saw it with my friend Mike, um, who who was watching it for the second time. Okay. Oh, he was on um, our podcast for the Monster Mash episode last year. Um, but yeah, I had such a great experience watching it. I really enjoyed, I guess, the twist. But I wouldn't call it that because I, I think that the idea of a twist is a little bit uh, shallow. But I think it was a well... Um, it, was a, it was built It was a game to, changer. Yeah, it was a game changer. Yeah. It was... Because you thought it was one thing and it became another thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, it was wonderfully done. It was so... The emotional climax was amazing. It was one of the best depictions of, like, I wouldn't say time travel, but, like, time, the concept of time that I'd seen in movies in a long time. It reminded me a lot of, like, uh, what's that? Twelve Monkeys of the, not just, not the Bruce Willis movie. I've actually haven't seen that, but the short film. Um, and um, I just, I, I liked it a lot. It might be not only my favorite movie of 2016. It's definitely shot to the top of that. But it might be one of my favorite personal movies like top five it's incredible yeah also it's got your boy jeremy renner yes it reminded me why i like jeremy renner in the first place because you know he's a smug asshole but he was he was a compassionate smug asshole i guess you'd say or like not compassionate but just like endearing he's an endearing smug asshole and like that was like i was like oh jeremy i remember why i liked you now he's a good actor also shout out justice for amy adams she should have gotten an oscar nomination for this yeah, so I know I've seen some people argue like she was okay in Arrival, but no, she was the she was the emotional core of Arrival. She's and great that movie in this could film. Not have been pulled off without her. Yeah, she's amazing. She's phenomenal, and I don't know why this wasn't the year of Amy Adams. But shout out to Bradford Young, the cinematographer mm-hmm. for Arrival, who is going on to do the Han Solo movie <laughs> with uh, Chris Lord and Phil Miller. Yeah, that's, so, that's amazing. And he's nominated for. Uh, Best cinematography for the Oscars. I'll survive a lot. I'm gonna think yeah. about it again for the rest. Of and the shout out to is... Denny Villeneuve for like once again, like yes. this director knocking it out of the park. He, he's never done a film I haven't liked. I like. I'm still blown away. I'm like, how so, you've never had a miss? Ever. This is only the second film I've seen of him, but I'm definitely going to check out the rest of his filmography. I've seen Sicario, and I've seen Arrival. I need to see Prisoners, because I heard this. Prisoners is really good. Ensemble will mess you up in, like, the best, most emotionally wrecking way. And then he's coming up, he's coming out with Blade Runner 2049 this year, and then he's currently signed on to do uh, an adaptation of Dune. 
which is a big science fiction book. I need to read Dune. It's very dense. Um, so, yeah, shout out to Arrival for being Arrival. amazing. I want to do my last metaphor for Arrival, because when I, this is what I told Willoughby after I watched it. I was like, it's like Eternal, it's like Interstellar and Tree of Life made a baby, and then that baby grew up to have a love affair with Lost, and... <laughs> Wow. And then that went back in time to to um, have a forget and um, fall in love and forget that they fell in love with uh, Eternal Sunshine. I kind of dig that. Yeah? Yeah. It's a good metaphor, right? I'm into that metaphor. I'm into it. Yeah. All right. Anyways, Arrival is great, guys. All right. So, Willoughby. Yes, it is my turn. And your honor... The gloves do not fit. You must acquit. I recently watched The People vs. O.J. Simpson American Crime Story. It was on... uh, It just came on to Netflix. It premiered last year uh, on FX. Did not watch it because at the time I wasn't very invested in watching things about O.J. Because you kind of, you know, you kind of assume, oh, you know, the basics. And it was, you know, the trial of the century, a lot of media behind it. Um, But... I had watched O.J. Made in America on Hulu, and I was really fascinated by the entire thing of the O.J. Simpson trial and, like, how he fell from grace being, like, one of the most nationally recognized American sports heroes and actors to convicted... uh, Well, later, after being... um, After convicted of battery in Las Vegas and serving 35 years. Um, But the entire trial of the century in 1994 and 95 and 96. Like, that whole thing, like, like the whole OG Made in America really made me understand a lot more of it. And then I, and then I was like, okay, I can't wait to watch People vs. OJ. And then it came on Netflix, and now I'm like, this is one of the best TV shows of 2016, and I can understand why it won all the awards it won, and why Sterling K. Brown is amazing, and so is Courtney B. Courtney B. Vance, and Marsha, uh, Sarah Paulson as Marsha Clark. Um, although I could not stop staring at John Travolta's eyebrows, and every time I saw David Schwimmer as Robert Kardashian, I just kept thinking of Friends quotes. <laughs> like I just kept, kept thinking of him yelling "My sandwich" or "Pivot" or "We were on a break." Pivot is the best one. <laughs> so David Schwimmer cannot cannot escape Friends. He can't. Like I just I, he they tried. I mean, he didn't really transform, but he did have like bigger hair. And like a touch of gray, how Robert Kardashian had his hair, but I was like, dude, you're still Ross from Friends, still Ross but, Taylor. Um, the show's great. The acting is phenomenal. Uh, I surprisingly was invested in the relationship between Marsha Clark and Chris Darden, which I was not expecting. It's was very, like, it's very odd how they get you so invested in their personal relationship. Yeah, um, and I'm excited to see more of this kind of show from Ryan Murphy because I never watched any of American Horror Story because A, if you guys have listened to the podcast for a couple years, for a year now, you know that I don't really like horror. So, like, I just kind of skip all that. But I'm glad that he's moved on from Glee and it's matured. Like, his his his, his work has matured a lot mm-hmm. and it's not as campy, I guess, or just over-emotional... Like there are moments in OJ in People vs. OJ where 
he kind of steers into his like uh his like cinematic his, his not his preaching per se but like his his cinematic elements like mm. the wild camera work is kind of like a thing from Glee and like like the push in on someone's face like that's something from Glee that I remember oh that's very campy yeah um, very B movie and just like a lot of things that I that turned me off from Glee I'm glad he's kind of like not focusing on um and so I'm excited to see more American horror stories I mean American crime stories I think they're going to be doing uh Hurricane one about Hurricane Katrina and then possibly one about the Monica Lewinsky tra- uh, scandal and then there's also going to be there's this, the new uh, FX series called Feud. Yes, um, which is about celebrity feuds. Yeah, anthology. Anthology, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's he's like really gotten into anthologies, which I'm kind of excited for because anthologies and miniseries you can kind of like there's an end. Mm-hmm. I think it works better for him too because he's obviously an ideas guy. Yeah, and he doesn't work well in the long run. Like Glee, Glee. should have ended after two seasons. Yeah. So it's good for him to like work out his creative ideas and outputs. Yeah, I think I think it, it's definitely a step up from Glee. Like I liked the first season of Glee. Yeah, it was in, good into the second season, and I think it turned into that weird thing where you kind of had people who were graduating. Yeah, and you, and you had to keep them around, or you had to write them off the show and bring in new people because you know that's how high school works. So there were a lot of flaws with Glee that I didn't really like. So I'm glad um, that this some is... Another a, episode will diagnose what was wrong with Glee. It's a very much... Uh, the People vs. OJ is a much more condensed and detailed focused on one particular story on these set of characters. So, yeah. I completely agree. I have yet to watch it, but now that it's on Netflix, Yay. streaming, I will definitely... And you have to let us know your Marsha and Chris feelings. Okay. <laughs> and I, I will say that, like, a good, like, not balanced, but, like, a good a good extra material to watch this with is O.J. Made in America. Because mm. um, that gives you, like, a th- this, both of them give you the, the comprehensive spe- spectrum of this entire thing from the uh, race in L.A. issues and the LAPD, uh, and that's, you know, People versus O.J. too, but People versus O.J. is, like, the dramatization of all of that. Mm. So that's my really like for the week. All right, everyone. So that is our episode. If you guys have any thoughts on the Super Bowl, either the game itself or the ads or the halftime show or Arrival or People vs. OJ or any of your favorite journalism publications, definitely come let us know your thoughts on those. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. We have a blog, millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. We're also on SoundCloud, we're also on iTunes and Google Play, where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us there. And where can they find you guys? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right, thanks for joining us, guys. Bye! Bye.